1: Welcome to the Mid Side, where Mid is in our name. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone ever has said or ever will say on this show. I should have said and. I always said and. I don't know why I switched it to or this time. My brain said or. That was bad. That was bad. It has to be and. Legally, it has to be and. Because if it's or, you put yourself in a situation where they can argue against you. It's and. And. There is a lot that happened in America this week, so much so to the point, as we were just saying pre show, that none of you can hear. So I'm letting you in, unless you're listening in like Midsider Lucid is right now. You can always listen in live, or you can hear our pre show banter. In our pre show banter, we were talking about how so much happened this week, so much farce that we had to omit Trump. I mean, besides Trump, we had more issues with filming people and transgender concerns and those two things overlapped. Uh, We had sexual assault issues. We had mass shooting issues and we had immigration issues. I mean, we hit almost everything in America this week. I don't know if we're actually hitting these things or if it's just the media pumping out narratives, but that's part of what we'll talk about. And before we do, I have to bring in my co-host, joining me this trip from dale's lawn Identify as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege william green hello
2: hello yep it's another beautiful day here in california we we've, we've uh, just ignoring Boo. all the problems uh, of the country and in california okay now that's accurate <laughs> oh man uh, it's uh i it was a good week this week uh my business partner flew in We worked on a couple stuff uh business uh stuff so uh it's not good pod but it was uh, exciting to get a lot of this stuff done and um moving got a lot of construction updates from the stores and uh it's uh it's an exciting time so going to be a big busy summer so a lot of prep work a lot of events we're doing things like that so it's uh it's going to be uh jam packed full of non uh like actual work and so it's going to be good uh, to keep uh, keep up with uh, what's going on in the rest of the world by uh, witnessing the farce on the show this week. Because I, I didn't get really catch up all, on too much stuff this week until we were doing the show. So uh, you sent out the outline, some of the stories were. Uh, I know one of them I submitted, but the other two I was like, oh, jeez. So let's jump yeah, in. Yeah, the,
1: the, the first one you submitted. But yeah. let me ask you then. Since this is your introduction to the farce, what did you think when you saw how broad the farce was this week?
2: <laughs> well, see, I think we have I think we can uh, we, we have some themes that unite them. I think it's just popping up all over the place. We're getting better at spotting it or or maybe the news narratives like we talked about with Trump, they just can't get out of their narratives. Their narratives are so stuck now. They're just constantly, you know how like all pop songs have the same four chords. Now yep. I think all news stories have the same the same farce in it. It's just unstoppable now. It's we can't as pop instead of pop punk, it's pop news.
1: Right, but well, that's what I was gonna say. We can't really complain about it as pop punk
2: fans, can we? Complain about no. four chords? No, you can get creative with it. That's why we. Uh, that's why w- woke or joke uh, was a segment for the longest time because you can have well, fun this, with the that, genre. That
1: That's why this podcast is the pop punk of podcasts, as it that's starts right. with handguns at the top, who has a song about. Three chords for three friends. So, all right. Well, I think that's a great introduction to all the farce here, and a great way to put a uh, angle on it. So, let's get into it in life on the midside. Take
0: a good look around. There's not really-
3: As
1: always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including and perhaps most of all, affirmations. Even if you just want to say the word affirmations, that's that's good enough for us. We don't need, you know, the actual like, you did these great, really great things and blah, blah, blah. No, just if you want to say affirmations, we will hear that. Just like if we, we say prayers to us, we will hear that. Because we are that religious. Okay, the first story, William, you submitted here, and, and the headline here is: Starbucks trans worker who has caught on, who was caught on video and scuffle with customers, has been fired. Now, just reading this, right, reading the headline, does the trans thing matter? We'll get into it. The first thing I want to say before I read from the article here, William is something that I I say often, and I don't know how much we touch on it in the show, but I think it's really, really important that this happened in England. And the reason I say that is, I firmly believe that if we do not watch ourselves, England is what we are headed to be like. England is showing us our future.
2: Yeah, I think I think I, I completely agree. I will tell you, though, this is more common than you would think, especially in LA.
1: Well, I mean, if we're talking shades, right, if we talk shades, I mean, I think LA is not that far off from England. Yeah. Okay, so reading from the the New York Post article the nasty confrontation, which has since drawn a police probe for alleged assault, took place late last month at a Starbucks branch near the ferry terminal of Southampton. Ampshire in the UK. You like how I'm pronouncing it?
2: <laughs> Is that a New England
1: accent? I was trying to do <laughs> Like, they don't say Southampton, right? They're like Southampton, right? Am I wrong?
2: Houston, Houston.
1: I, I'm talking about in England. All right. The 56-second viral clip starts with the female customer shouting, don't ever call me transphobic, ever. You do not know me. Which I mean, again, this shows the the farce in England right now, right? The whole thing that starts the controversy is someone's worried about being labeled transphobic.
2: Or well, think was about called that. yeah, yeah. Like like it's a like it's a calling like like if someone came up and called me a fag, right? It's that bad, right? Or someone come up and called you a rapist, right? Yeah.
1: The Starbucks barista who has stepped in front of the counter alongside the enraged customer replies, You're calling me a man. You're being transphobic, Karen. Now get out. After calling the customer Karen, an insulting social media moniker for white women who have a bone to pick. I don't know how I feel about the phrase bone to pick. The altercation heats up further. Again... The Starbucks employee orders the woman to leave the coffee shop. Now get out, the employee says while motioning toward the door. Despite the woman repeatedly ordering the worker not to call her transphobic, the Starbucks employee persists, clapping in her face and refusing her demand for a refund. You are transphobic. Now get out, the employee says again before telling the woman she's trespassing now. The man filming the squabble is then heard saying, apparently we said something transphobic, as if in response to a passerby who's asked what's going on. And then it has a picture here, William, of the person clapping. And we'll get into what the person looks like (laughs) in a second. I can't imagine
2: that. I'm sure all you uh, podcast listeners cannot imagine what this person looks like.
1: Immediately following the comment, The Starbucks worker storms over to the filming man. The employee is then seen lunging toward the phone and swanning it out of the man's hand. The worker is then heard in the background repeatedly ordering the man to give me the phone. Let go of me, the man replies, as the violent scuffle appears to spill outside the coffee shop onto the street. Now, William, how many levels of insanity are there in this story?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, we've got the... Let's start with some of the obvious ones. We've got the uh, bystander cameraman, uh, which is apparently must be the husband, boyfriend, friend of the person, right? Because of the way the conversation goes, right? Yes. Uh, So rather than intercede, uh, and I think it's a man taking the film. So this is the second level, I think we can go at. So normally in a uh, non-completely feminized and very misandric culture, the man would handle this kind of conflict, right? Yes. Not the woman. Uh, So that's the second level of farce. Then we have the six-foot-tall man with fake boobs clapping in someone's face like a religious zealot. Okay, Okay, you say fake boobs.
1: I haven't seen the video. I've always seen the picture here, right? But remember we've talked about... it could be a stuffed
2: bra. It could be a stuffed bra.
1: I can't even see that in the video, dude. We talk about woman face all the time. Isn't this person... Putting on woman face. Now we don't know if this person is taking hormones or had any surgery or anything. Yeah, but it looks a, like not.
2: Right? It, it looks we like to, a, we have to a point out. So that woman. We, when we get canceled, we get canceled for the right reason. Here we're talking about sex and not gender. They are presenting as a female, but uh but they are a man. They're a very tall man, a skinny tall man.
1: Right. It it, it literally looks like a man cosplaying as a woman. It's woman face as we've described before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then this would be any punk rocker in uh, except for the stuffed boobs, right? In like the nineties, right? Yeah,
1: I'm assuming you're saying the, the stuffed boobs because you've seen the
2: video. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, because I this picture they have, which is admittedly pixelated, it literally looks like a dude just dyed his hair and is wearing <laughs> women's clothing. Yeah. Yep. Which again, fine. If you want to do that, fine, but why do you call yourself transgender? But then the the final level of farce for me, William, is this woman is so worried about being called transphobic. Like, why? Why is a fifth? Uh, how old is this woman? I was going to say fifty six because I saw the fifty six second clip, but she looks like she's in, she's got gray hair, right? So she's looked like she's in her anywhere from late forties to sixties. Why is someone that old worried about? Being called whatever name they're going to call
2: them because because this is England. I, I, we have to con- contextualize this a little bit. This is England. Think of all the hate that uh, that um, uh, J.K. Rowling's getting. Yeah, She's, you know they're canceling her. They, you've, you've got people who uh, in in England they arrest people for Facebook memes, literally, right? Yeah, they they they. they Remember, some lady refused to open the door to be questioned about it, so then they arrested her. You know, I can understand why an old lady who may not be completely in the culture, right, and, and be able to witness this farce and just laugh at it, instead would be scared.
1: Right, this is an old woman afraid of being canceled and afraid of being attacked. Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: then that goes to the last level of farce in this, because then there's another story I want to add on to this. But The last level of farce here is... That this barista throws this lady out of Starbucks for being transphobic. Now, have you ever worked retail in your life, William? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, what retail job did you work? I worked Radio Shack
2: way back in the day.
1: Okay. Did you ever throw anyone out of Radio Shack?
2: Uh, man. I can't. I don't think so. I don't think we ever threw anyone out.
1: Okay. I worked at Walmart. I was a cashier and then I ended up being a customer service manager. And I ended up up throwing somebody out of the store once. And it was at the registers in the front at the self-checkout. And the guy was yelling at me and threatening me. And I was like, get out of the store. And honestly, I didn't really take it as like I had the authority to throw him out. It was just, he was done and I didn't want to get attacked. So I was like telling the guy like, leave, get out. And even afterwards... I like went to people like the security people and I was like, sorry, I threw the guy out, but like he was threatening me and they're like, no, you were fine. You're allowed to do that. But I was like being physically threatened. The idea that we're throwing people out now because we don't like that. They called us the wrong gender. Is that really how we're going to do business now? It's just the yeah. idea that this is what we're basing doing business on now, not about the product anymore. I was saying this to somebody the other day. Nobody sells products anymore. Starbucks in itself doesn't really sell a product. It sells an experience. And yeah. now anybody, a barista, you're not the general manager of the store. You're not the shift manager. Why are you the one throwing people out?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just thinking, like, what is the experience of Starbucks if not a transgender barista, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you go into Starbucks to get berated by a transgender barista.
2: <laughs> it's like a holy sacrament. <laughs> I know I keep making these religious re- references, but it's just so blatantly obvious to me, and I don't know. I, I'm just going to keep harping on it because it's so obvious to me, and I get such blank stares from, from other people when I when I explain it that way. They're just like, you can't really mean that. I was like, yes, I do really mean it. No, like, I this think is, this looks like a looks like a, a you know, some sort of old-school debate between a Bible-thumping uh, uh, anti-abortionist and, uh, and a woman's right act- activist, right?
1: Yeah. Now, there's another question I want to ask about all of this, especially with what you're talking about, right? You're referring to the past. But there's one other story I want to add to this before I ask the question that builds on what you just said. Right? The next story from Fox News, Judge clears trans woman's indecent genitalia exposure charges on grounds area covered by body fat. Now, William, I think I finally understand that trans woman means a man who transitioned or is claiming to be a woman. Is that what trans okay. woman
2: means? I think so. In this case, I have to assume, because there's, if, if uh, Paniculus is covering it, which we'll get into it, then uh, there must be something to cover. So this must be a pre-op, uh, pre-bottom surgery uh, uh, man who is now uh, putting on woman face.
1: Well, right. And that's where we get into the woman face thing, because do you even need to have surgery to be trans nowadays? I don't know. I mean, this is there's that's
2: the whole discussion about it. No, no. Trans is a sacrament. It's a holy sacrament. Yeah. You have certain views. You perform certain rites and rituals. Some of them, you know, some of the more more devout get the tattoos and the uh, in the surgeries. But others don't.
1: Yeah. The the point being, I think I now understand the term trans woman, because that was confusing to me for a while. I remember when we had the shooter, it was unclear what but the birth gender, what they were assigned at birth uh, was. Now, now I'm starting to get a, uh, a, a clear idea on that. So from the article, there is no question that Glenn's, the person at uh, the center of the story, was in the woman's locker room. However, Glynn's was not charged with trespass, nor was Glynn's charged with being in an area of the YMCA where Glenn's was not supposed to be. McNamee wrote, I think this is the Fox news reporter not wanting to use the pronouns. What do you think, William? Because it has the, yeah, pareti- probably because
2: the pronouns would be super confusing in the story. Yeah. I actually like that choice. I, I know people might see it as a sign of disrespect and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but the, in these kinds of stories, uh, it would be super hard with all the crazy pronoun like decodering for for normies to parse through the story.
1: Yeah, Mcnamie wrote quite simply: the facts do not exist to support or find of guilt as charges. Glynn's genitalia was not visible as a result of other portions of her body covering same. In a statement regarding the incident, the YMCA said, Under no circumstance will we investigate an individual's birth identity and then assign individuals to locker rooms. That would be counter to the law, counter to respect for all people, and it is not who or what we are as an organization. So before we continue, was this in the U.S., William? Because is it counter to the law to investigate someone's
2: birth identity? I don't know. I didn't know to look in the story and see where it, I'm afraid of clicking it because it might start playing the video. But um, I don't think I, I mean, investigating it is against the law. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And I mean, not
1: and, in America. And for a private organization to say we have men's and women's bathrooms, that's not illegal. Right. And to tell you what bathroom you can go into.
2: Well, not not yet.
1: Yeah. Anyway, the the story continues. Final paragraph here. Glenn's attorneys also released a statement following the ruling, saying it's unfortunate not only for her, but for the entire community that the filing of these charges ever occurred. We are grateful that the rule of law and the truth prevailed so that Miss Glenn's and the community can move on in peace. It's so like there's
2: a Zenia County in
1: Ohio. So that's we'll what I thought from there. So how is it like that makes me wonder, like, is it against the law to investigate birth identity? In Ohio, it's very sure You wouldn't think in Ohio, of all places, it'd be illegal. So it's a very weird statement by the YMCA. The, the heart of yeah. this, though, William, right? The truth prevailed so that Mrs. Glynn's and the community can move on in peace. This is what I'm wondering, right? We have social media now. And the question I have is... How much of this is exacerbated by social media and how much of this is magnified by social media? And I use the two different words because exacerbated means it, more people do these things because they're engaged in these conversations in social media and engaged in these quote unquote communities and they feel like they're representing communities rather than themselves. And I say uh, magnified because in the 80s and 90s, did stuff like this happen with gay people that we just didn't hear about because there was no way of news organizations finding out about it because it wasn't recorded and it wasn't repeated? And it if it was, it just seemed like rumors. Now it hmm. seems, do we just have more proof? Or is, the, is there something greater going on here?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think because there's two, I guess there's two ways to answer the second one, right? Like, were there probably more in the 80s and 90s? Admit, more likely in the 80s and the 90s, but more, um, for lack of a better term, like gay bashing sort of things in right. the locker room. Um, probably. I, I would say less in the 90s. I don't just um, mean the
1: locker room, though, because remember,
2: we're talking about the Starbucks story as well. Yeah, the Starbucks story, too. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking of concrete. But on the flip side of it, I think that there is very much – this idea of obliterating your individuality and that you're representing a community and ignoring the fact that you're literally in a community and those are the people that matter, right? The people near you are the ones that matter um, and not respecting good boundaries. Does that make sense? Right? Like you're, like you're thinking I'm making a point and standing for the American trans person, or the American gay. And it's like, hey, you're just a member of Xenia... Ohio, right? right. Uh, are, are, are you are you are you are you working with your community there, the people actually around you? Well, and it's
1: it's kind of ironic coming from us because you know we talk about principles over pragmatism, and they yeah. would argue principles over pragmatism. But the difficulty is, and this is why we're yeah, the their principle
2: is 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 collectivism though in this case,
1: right? But the difficulty, right, is how do you balance? How do you balance? principles over pragmatism with local over global. And what I mean by that is William, you've you've answered the question. Is they're so global because they're so collectivist that they're worried about the principle of collectivism in the abstract rather than worry about the concrete manifestations of principles in the individual. I think Part yeah, of... let's make
2: that concrete. Let, let's make that concrete. If I uh if I uh yell and clap in someone's face for calling me a fag, that does not stop any Muslims from throwing gays off of roofs. Yes. Not a single one. They think it does though. They think it
1: does. Yeah, they think it does. We're actually I would argue it's the opposite, William. Yeah. I would actually yeah. think it leads to more of it. How? Well, because that people person they're clapping in the face of is that person going to be more likely or less likely to have a psychologically reinforced negative association with quote-unquote trans people
2: yeah that's the that's i think that gets to the point um i was making is it's because they're operating on the principle of collectivism that they don't even see they can't connect these dots right right The, the or the the dots are connected automatically right there's some sort of global uh 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 Uh, amount of oppression and and if you push it back in your community then you've done some great uh uh holy thing and really it's like wait a minute no like that like there are literally you know gays are arrested in jail right now in certain countries right and think of russia right the 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 tremendous amount of uh of uh anti-gay stuff going on there and instead, what are the what are a lot of those uh, folks doing out there? They're importing this the social justice version of of gay, thinking that's going to help,
1: right? Because and it's even with the way collectivists look at individualism. Individualism helps you it's interact hair, with your pink hair,
2: stuffed bra, and female clothes. Right, that's individualism
1: <laughs> on a concrete level. Yes, individualism helps you interact with the person in front of you as the person. In front of you, not as a member of a group, just as that person. What is that person's values? What is that person's desires? What is that person trying to achieve? However, collectivism is you're always interacting based upon how things influence the overall. You are never in the immediate moment. And the problem is when you look at individualism from this collectivist lens, well, then, yeah, of course, individualism is oppressive, because you're yep. not taking those ideas into account. But the reason collectivism ultimately fails, and we can argue all of these you know, high-level concepts, everyone loves to argue, but everyone misses this point that these two articles bring out that you're talking about so well, William, is collectivism fails because it does not address the individual moment that you are in and that every person exists in. We can only exist in the present individual moment. Moment, and that is lost when you come at everything collectively.
2: Yeah, Justin, I think you're uh, you're correct, 100 percent correct on that. I, I'm going to pull in my inner, inner Daniel and point out the uh, a rhetorical way that you see this. Try to take note if you haven't already, listeners. Every time you hear someone say "communities," right, the plural form, this is someone who cannot see the world as individuals. That like and you'll see it in the rhetoric like it's just baked into that one word and you look at all the phrasing around it and you it'll just blow your mind about how they're unable to see people as individuals they're that they're just this um this mismatch of different collectives an individual to them is a mismatch of collectives yes and
1: when someone says that be careful because they're not seeing you run as for your you. life
2: run for your life yeah. yeah now
1: what's this thing you have about paniculus here this is that a star <laughs> wars character uh.
2: It is. It's the new villain. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I I had to point this out because uh, uh, Corolla covered this story uh, and they were talking about panis, right? That flat, uh, the fat flab that uh, colloquially is known as panis, but it's actually a paniculus. Panis is like an eye disease or something. So, yeah, that if you you ever uh, have ever seen someone whose fat roll is so big, it's hanging over their uh, legs. Practically, that's a that's a paniculus. Uh, Wasn't that called a a back in the day? Uh, that I think that's like a muffin top, isn't it? Yeah, that's the, the paniculus. It's not like the an extra top? large fupa. Yeah, extra large fupa would be. Uh... A, a
1: paniculus is an extra large fupa? I think so. I mean, th- that's the other thing here, man, that again, over and over again, again, <laughs> and this goes with the individualism collectivism thing, right? <sighs> the paniculus being that big is a sign of one of two possible things. Either there is a severe physical disease or there is, and I'm not using the word severe here, there is a mental disease and that's what nobody wants to talk about. Right. And I think the, you know, this is an example of it being exacerbated or caused by collectivism, not paying attention to you yourself and your own experience with the world.
2: Yeah, can we make it illegal to expose your paniculus? I think it. I think it's indecent exposure. I Do you remember in the nineties when pregnant women started wearing bikinis? Yeah, that was a turning Man. point in the culture. That <laughs> certainly was. Justin, like, would it matter if I'm I'm trying to take the whole trans thing out of this? If someone is. Going into the locker room and getting off in front of people isn't that? Wouldn't that just be illegal, like prima facie? Like, wouldn't the? Wouldn't, or at least uh, against the rules of the gym, right?
1: Well, right, and that's this is where I was asking the question about homosexuality, right? Because yeah. if a gay man went into the locker room and was jerking off, that to me is yeah, just as that, offensive. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Hell, I, I, I will even say this man. If a straight man is watching straight porn in the locker room and jerking off, yeah. that would be as <laughs> offensive.
2: That would be yeah, as exactly. offensive. Yeah. I I don't think I I think what we're obliterating here and this is probably a cancelable thing to point out is where we're 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 removing the autogodophilia. like we pretend like it doesn't exist. There are people who get off on this, right? Yes, and it's not wrong for us to think about how to set that boundary properly. Because guess what, the 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 way that narcissists and and borderline and cluster B uh, folks get off on on this is they search for the area where society or individuals are not setting good boundaries, and that's where they live. Right. This is not a knock against trans or gay or anything. This is this is us knowing how humans operate and how they malfunction and to. Think about how do we properly set the boundary is not necessary is is not an evil thing to discuss.
1: Yeah. And and that's where things get lost with this collectivist discussion, because, again, what you're talking about is what is the local experience of a locker room? Right. The purpose of a locker room is to give people uh, a place to change and be hygienic when using a shared gym facility. Now that means the locker room is necessarily a shared facility, but that also means there are issues of comfort and safety in there that come as secondary, that those are concerns that are implied by the concerns of you know hygiene and, and changing. Yes so what then happens is, you're not worried about that anymore when you're thinking collectively because you're thinking, oh well what does it say about the rights of transgender people if they can't use this locker room? Well yeah, most people, look, I'm gonna use the pendulette principle here, right? William, do you agree that most people don't want to hurt other people? Yeah. And I think if we're being generous, I don't think most people who have legitimately transitioned and we can discuss the word legitimate, are looking to harm people by going in the locker room. However, as you said, when we open this door to comfort or to uphold or affirm a small percentage of the population, what amount of danger or what amount of undermining of the goals of something like a locker room are we allowing in order to do that? And this is what what you just said about this is collectivism is the affirming and the the goals of the locker room are the individual.
2: Yeah. Yep. And I and I just want to unite it. Let's uh unite it with two things. Uh, another Adam Krowler thing, dogs on the plane, right? Um we same we exact said, thing. Said it's the same exact same. It's a, a not able to set a proper boundary, and now we have dogs shitting all over airports and planes. Um and then back to the the, the clapping trans woman. Um Another not setting a proper boundary, right? Correct. If Clapping someone in insults me, should yeah, not be if allowed. If someone insults me when I'm working at the store, if a customer insults me when I'm working at the store, I'm just going to see that they're taken care of as quickly as possible and get them out the door, right? Yes. I'm not going to walk around the counter, clap in their face, push them out the thing, and have a scuffle outside. None of that. None of that. That customer, I, I, I see, i I see hundreds of customers a day, right? This one customer is not that one individual means not a heck of a lot in my community, right?
1: But again, that's the dehumanization, right? The dehumanization of oh, it's acceptable to clap in this person's face.
2: Well, and it, and it also connects with the words or violence, right? That's another yes. boundary uh, boundary break, as we say in the gaming industry. Uh, that's another boundary break, right? If you it, yeah. like, that was literal violence to that person. Well, except for it wasn't, right? The literal violence was the clapping in the face and scuffling outside. That was the literal violence.
1: Well, when we're talking about boundaries and collectivism and hurting the individual versus the collective. We need to look no further than the, the story of Matt Ariza, a college punter who was drafted by the Bills and then his life slash career was destroyed still to this day. And what makes this even more farcical was the news that broke this week. So I'm reading from a Yahoo Sports article. Prosecutors, former Bills punter Matt Ariza wasn't present during alleged gang rape. So let me just read my notes here. All right. Okay. I just wanted to see at what point to end. So now I will continue. Last August, just days after earning the starting job as the Buffalo Bills punter, Rookie Matt Ariza was the subject of a civil lawsuit alleging that he and two San Diego State football teammates participated in a gang rape of an intoxicated 17-year-old girl. While little was known publicly, San Diego police had spent nearly 10 months on the case before forwarding it to the district attorney without a recommendation for prosecution. The bills said they also knew about the incident, investigated it, and decided to employ Ariza anyway. So, Let's just stop there for a moment. The bills had done their investigation. If they're worried about individually, wouldn't they have held on to this person, William? Yeah. Yeah. But you can't do it in today's society. Right. You have to be worried about collectivism, right? This is believe all women is a collectivist abstract principle that ignores the local. When the principle, Innocent until proven guilty is honoring the local. The graphic allegations in the civil lawsuit, however, created a public frenzy and included a claim that during an October 15, 2021 party at a home near the San Diego State University campus, Ariza led the girl into a bedroom where at least three other men waited. Once inside, Ariza threw the girl onto the bed face first. The lawsuit read, the girl went in and out of consciousness while suffering through the horrific gang rape. It lasted an hour and a half, the lawsuit read, before she stumbled out of the room bloody and crying, in part because multiple piercings had ripped through the skin during the attack. Within days, the Bills cut Ariza, who due to his record-breaking NCAA career and an 82-yard punt in a preseason game, had earned the nickname Punt God. So we're not talking about William. I think this part's important and why I'm reading all of this is I think all the context is important. We're not talking about just some Joe Schmo printer, uh, printer, punter. (laughs) Aren't there a number of punters who are drafted or signed out of college as uh, free agents that just don't go anywhere and aren't that skilled? Yeah. But we're talking about someone with a record-making career and an 82-yard punt in a preseason game. So this is someone who had all the potential in the world. We just think it's the best move for everyone to move on from Matt and let him take care of the situation. Buffalo general manager, Brandon Bean said, how's that for not empathetic, not compassionate? Although you, you deal with this. We don't want to deal with this. That's pretty
2: bad. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine I can't imagine the amount of pressure they must have felt they were under in a in in New York, right? In Buffalo.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, completely, especially Buffalo, right? So, almost finished up here with the reading. reason remains out of football despite Despite prosecutors announcing on December 7, 2022, that after conducting their own 124-day investigation, they wouldn't press any criminal charges in the case. However, few details, let alone their reasoning or additional exculpatory evidence, were included in the initial statement. A fuller picture of what police and prosecutors found, however, is now available being a two 200- hundred plus page transcript obtained by Yahoo Sports of a 100 meeting minute in which a deputy district attorney offered a detailed explanation to the girl and her attorneys. Perhaps most notably, the district attorney's office concluded that Ariza couldn't have led the girl into the alleged gang rape because he left the home at about 1230 a.m., an hour prior to when evidence suggested the alleged, alleged gang rape would have occurred. He wasn't even at the party anymore, Deputy District Attorney Trisha Amador explained. Later, Amador stated of the timeline of events. All I know is that at that point, suspect Ariza is gone from the party. Additionally, prosecutors told the girl... The video recordings of the incident in the bedroom made it impossible to determine, let alone prosecute anyone, whether there was a gang rape at all that night, rather than consensual sex with the men. In looking at the videos on the sex tape, I absolutely cannot prove any forcible sexual assault based upon what happened, Amador said. William, does this case not prove the danger of believe all women.
2: <laughs> yeah. I get if, if even video of her consenting, because that's what that, uh, let's be honest, that's what that cop is implying to her, right? Is that you were, you were, you were, you were participating in this. There was no evidence of you saying no or want, wanting to stop or anything like that. Um, so, and, and, and that's her polite way of saying that to the victim, right? Um, yeah, even videotape could not save this guy. He wasn't there, and the people who had sex with her videotaped it and he's still his life is still ruined. Am I am I seeing this wrong? That's exactly how I see it, and to me, that is
1: absolutely insane. Is it not?
2: Yeah. Can you imagine like in college going to a, a party at somebody's house, you know, a friend of a friend, you're having a good time, have a few drinks, flirt with a few uh girls, and then leave and then <laughs> This 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 whole thing happens, like, and you're just like, I wasn't there during that time. <laughs> I can't imagine it.
1: Now, I think, William, that this does kind of un- reveal, especially nowadays, the difficulty of being a professional athlete or a celebrity, and I would argue the difficulty of being alive at all. And what I mean by that is this shows that these young people because we're talking about celebrities, we're talking about even college athletes, so it can be men or women, they need to understand the danger they're putting themselves in based on the people they hang around. I know it used to be commonplace to just go to these college parties, but I was always bothered by college parties, William, because it seemed that people thought college was a four-year moral blank check. And Mm, what I mean by that is they thought they could do whatever they wanted at these parties. And when they entered the real world, quote unquote, in four years, all of that would be forgotten and they would move on. However, you can't evade the real world that always exists. And these people are doing psychological damage to themselves and others. And I'm not claiming everyone who goes to this party does, but why did this young man need to even be at a party where anything like this could possibly occur? Because at the very least, this is a seventeen-year-old girl at this party drinking, which I already, you know, I'm straight edge. I have problems with drinking, but especially when you're underage where it's illegal. And then she's having sex with multiple adult men. All yeah. of this is—I don't know people? if we're going
2: to cover it in the story, but she, the, one of the witnesses, talks about how she was basically just trying to see how many guys she could have sex with before this. Now that doesn't say anything. If she got, you know, you can still be raped when you're out there doing that, but like just thinking that this is a party like if this is the kind of party where that stuff is happening you shouldn't be there as a as any sort of person right i used to joke around you know i go to these uh, hacker conferences and i always tell everyone it's like nothing good happens after midnight at these parties right and, and you know like go out socialize network but then get the fuck out right and yeah, it looks an like episode, even that strategy won't work for me based
1: on this story there, there's an episode of how i met your Mother about this, where right they say nothing good happens after 2 a.m. It's sort of the same concept, but yes, yeah, William, yeah. even being at this, like wh- individually, right locally, what value are you getting around being around people like this? I mean, of every time I've ever been to Vegas, anytime because you're talking about the hacker conferences in Vegas,
2: correct? Yep, yeah, and other places, but
1: yeah, yeah, make- uh, well, Vegas is the easiest, I think, for people to concretely get a, a grasp of anytime I've ever been to Vegas I've been to a club once and it's because a bunch of other people were going and I did not enjoy myself for exactly this reason when I go to Vegas I like to eat the food and go to shows and maybe do a slot machine for a little bit beyond that right I don't want to be around people with this kind of mentality You know, I've never found I found it intriguing to observe, but I've never found the Jersey Shore mentality as people I want to be around It is for exactly this reason. I don't understand why they want to continue to put themselves in harmful situations, self-destructive situations over and over again.
2: Yeah. Well, do you think do you think this will change now that this stuff has come out? Do you think he'll ever play in the NFL?
1: I mean, I think the fact that it's come out and he still hasn't been hired is very disheartening. I would hope over the coming offseason, he gets a chance
2: somewhere. I mean, good putters are hard to come by. Yeah, I was going to say, no one can make an argument that he wouldn't be able to cut it. So, I I guess even with the semi-exoneration, what kind of... What team is going to risk it though? And that and, and that's the thing. The that's bills. what I was thinking of.
1: It's not going to be the Bills. I was thinking honestly, the team that would most likely do it is the Patriots. But they drafted yeah. a punter in like the fifth or sixth round this year because they needed a punter badly. And if even the Patriots won't take a risk here, what is that saying about our culture? Because when does Bill Belichick cared? Yeah, I yeah. mean he signed Aaron Hernandez. He drafted him knowing all those characteristics and all knowing all the game connections. And it blew up in his face. Yeah. He he's never been afraid of taking the risk. So I don't know. I, I feel bad for this young man. But at the same time, it's what I was saying. Is this a is this a mistake he should pay his entire career for? No. However, if you know how much money you could earn one day and that you can get to the top of your profession, don't you have a moral obligation to to yourself to not put yourself in harmful positions like this.
2: Yeah. Is it, is it a matter of delayed gratification? And I don't mean that in the, in the sexual sense. I mean that in the like, Hey, you know, I may not be able to, you know, go to parties with my peers right now because I see that my peers are going to be a different, you know, I'm going to have a different crowd very soon.
1: Yeah. And it takes a lot of maturity to realize that. I mean, when I started teaching at the school I'm teaching at, um, you know, in the first like week, there was this freshman kid who looked like an NFL D lineman already. Right, and he, he's he's since gone on, he's he's gonna play D one. Right. But there was a kid in the class who he kept having arguments with. And I pulled him aside and I was like, dude, I don't like know who's in the wrong here, and I, I don't care who's in the wrong here, but I want you to realize that you have the potential to make millions of dollars one day. And whether you're in the wrong or not, or that person's in the wrong, you need to learn to remove yourself from these situations because there are always going to be people coming at you like this. And you need to keep the perspective of, Hey, I have a greater thing I'm working towards here and I don't want to jeopardize that. And he he stopped arguing with the kids. So he heard me. Uh, And, you know, hopefully that message is something he could learn because that's what it is here. Why at this point, Did this guy who was this good at punting not say, you know what, I'm not going to go to these house parties because it's too much of a risk of my career. Yeah. But at the same time, are we really going to destroy a kid's life for being at a place where lots of college kids go? Should every employer at that, every employer who a kid was at that party fire that kid? Should they be blackballed from all their industries because of that?
2: Yeah, where's the, where's the guest list? Let's uh, let's cancel them all, right? Where,
1: let's identify all the people on the video. Let's dox all the people on the video and get them fired because they, I mean, a accusation against anybody else who's at the party is as legitimate, is it not?
2: Yeah, well, you're talking about the arbitrary, right? It'll apply to everyone. Well, I would talk about it applying to everyone.
0: Uh,
1: dude... I don't even know what's true anymore. And I say that sincerely. There was a video going around social media early today of, and yesterday of a March in DC. What was the name of the group where they were in blue shirts and khakis and they were supposed to be like a, a white nationalist group or something. And it, some uh,
2: people are claiming their FBI. Do you see, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, oh. I didn't see that. But yeah, we, we know, we know that there's uh we know from the, uh, governor Whitmer story that, uh, what was it 90% of the people involved in the kidnapping of the Michigan governor were FBI agents?
1: Yeah. So it's hard to tell that. <laughs> and then then we get this story about the the Texas mall shooter, right? Texas mall shooter, this is NBC News, ranted against Jews, women and racial minorities on a parent social media page. Mauricio Garcia 33. Okay? So this is a a Mexican guy, right? And it, was this person uh I don't know, William. Do you know if he was an American national or not, or if he was here illegally? I don't know. I don't think this news would let us know that. I don't think it really matters, to be honest with you. Anyway, I'm going to read a few paragraphs from this story, about five paragraphs. A social media page appearing to belong to a gunman who killed eight people at a Dallas area outlet mall, had shared extremist beliefs with rants against Jews, women, and racial minorities posted since September, as well as posts about struggling with mental health. Mauricio Garcia, 33, maintained a profile on the Russian social media networking platform OK.ru. William, before I continue, had you heard of this site before?
2: No. I had never heard of it before. Is this popular? Can can some of our... uh... Uh, Hispanic uh, listeners chime in. And, is this popular in in Hispanic culture or any uh, 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 Central American culture? I'd just like to American know if culture? anybody
1: has heard of this site. <laughs> <Anywhere>? Okay. Are you? <laughs> are they asking if you're okay? Okay. Are you? Like, know. is this Yoda's website? Like, including posts referring to extremist online forums such as 4chan and content from white nationalists, including Nick Fuentes and anti-Semitic white nationalists, provocateur in the weeks before the attack garcia posted more than two dozen photos of allen premium outlets where an officer killed him after the shooting saturday and surrounding areas including several screenshots of google location information seemingly monitoring the mall at his busiest times many of the posts refer to his mental health in his final post he lamented that his family might say what his family might say and wrote that no psychologist would have been able to fix him. In another post, he made disturbing comments about what makes a mass shooting important and praised the person who opened fire at a private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee this year, killing six people, including three children. The shooter also posted a series of links to other sites, including a YouTube account that featured a video published the day of the shooting in it. He removed a screen mask and said, not quite what you were expecting, huh? That's, I mean, that's so on the nose, William. Anyway, last paragraph. He posted photos of a flak vest in blazoned with patches. One of them with the initials for right wing death squad, a popular meme among far right extremist groups. Another post included a series of shirtless pictures with visible white power tattoos, including SS lightning bolts and a swastika. I mean, William, I'm assuming he took off the screen mask and said not quite what you're expecting because supposedly we would expect him to be white but he wasn't but to me and maybe this is one of these idea that the truth is stranger than fiction that seems like something a hollywood writer would put a terrible hollywood writer like the end of an episode the white supremacist takes off his mask and he's actually a hispanic and uh, not what you were expecting Dave chappelle did it better the black white supremacist
2: yeah yeah i mean what do you think of all this it's hard to say, right? Uh, And it's, on the one hand, you could see how the, the, well, we talked about narratives earlier. This is a narrative. And so if you have mental issues, you're going to lock on to some of these narratives, right? You'll see uh, some folks lock on to aliens and conspiracy theories, right? Others lock on to like uh, the occult or stuff like that, right? So from a, from a feasible, like a sort of believability aspect, it it would make sense, right? Some of these things uh, are hallmarks of mental illness. On the other hand, it's a Russian social media site that no one's ever heard of. And usually these folks want attention, right? So why pick a one that you've never heard of? I, some of the things don't add up is what I'm trying to say. And so, but when you're dealing with mental illness, maybe it just doesn't add up. I don't know. Maybe he got uh, banned from Twitter. So he went to OK.RU.
1: He has a mental illness. Okay, dot you. I can't get. Up. I, can't, I can't get past the site name. But, and that's entirely the point. When we're talking about narratives here, is both sides latching onto this, right? One side saying, "Oh, well, you see, the the white supremacists are, are such a danger to society. They're the ones doing <laughs> they the mass shootings." So
2: heavily from Mexican American communities.
0: Uh...
1: And then the other side saying, "Oh, well, this must must be an FBI psyop." Neither of these are helping the conversation here, are they?
0: No, no. All
2: right. Anything Why aren't else we you talking want? about mental illness and collectivism? Right? right. Instead, we're we're focusing, you know, that because we can't see the individual, um, then it must be this is just part of the good versus evil, evil collective A versus collective B narrative. Instead of instead of like how the like how who are where are this person's parents. What, like what, where, how did he get the way he is? Not and not the not in the sense of like whether he watched Nick Fuentes,
1: right? And that goes to what you're saying. I mean, I think the collectivism is a great way of putting it because there's another quote later on in this this article. Many of Garcia's other posts were misogynistic, railing against women and parroting language used in incel or involuntary celibate communications in the post. Garcia referred to specific incel forums and valorized a gunman whose 2014 mass murder spree in Isla Vista, California is celebrated in incel communities. Apparently, we can't name Elliot Rogers anymore because I guess yeah. being dead, he gets attention. He must be down in hell uh, uh, paying attention. To- <laughs> enjoying the sake. attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, enjoying the attention. Uh, but that's it. They're trying to fit him into a box. Right. Oh, he's gotta be an incel. Oh, and incels must be white supremacists. Oh, they must be right wing. It's like you said, rather than figuring out each specific person and situation and what they come in what they have in common, we're working backwards. Right? We're working from yeah. an endpoint. What group are you in? Not what happened. What do these things have in common?
0: Yeah.
2: And we see we see the right do this as well, right? When the when the left wing shooters happen, they're like, Oh look, they listen to the young Turks. Right? It, like it's like they're picking non-essential elements as like tribal indicators, so that you can blame the tribe,
1: right? Where ironically, the thing they all have in common is they're taking on these tribal identities and they're focusing on their trauma and they're they're giving up. It's this helplessness,
2: right? Yeah, oh, I can't yeah. do anything. Justin, this is that's my last resort. That's such a great point. Like this, instead of instead of looking at this through the individualist collectivist lens and seeing how clearly. When you obliterate the self, it leads to self-destruction, and often males that is expressed outwardly. Instead of focusing on that, we're we're trying to uh, figure out which tribe to blame. Right. Yep.
1: Completely, and I think that flows into our final story perfectly, where my whole question about this whole Title Forty Two immigration issue at the at the border, supposed issue, is. Would this have even been something that would have been talked about before social media and before things became so collectivistic in, you know, tribe versus tribe, this tribalism? Because the title is fear and confusion, but not chaos along the southern border after Title 42 ends. And if you've been on social media at all this week, you saw all these pictures of all of these migrants Coming up from Central and South America, supposedly to storm the southern border once the Title 42 restrictions ended. So here's here's some um, paragraphs. The pandemic era policy severely limited immigration to the U.S., nearly halting the processing of asylum applications for over three years. As the policy was formally lifted on Tuesday or sorry on Thursday, 11:59 p.m. Eastern Time, security officials were bracing for an unprecedented influx of migrants along the southern US border. Some estimate, estimates suggested as many as 150,000 migrants might arrive in the hopes of crossing over. Instead, the number of border crossings remained steady, according to Department of Homeland Security Assistant Secretary I don't know how to say that name. Blas, B-L-A-S, Nunez Nato. And by the way, William, call me a bad person, but the first thing I thought when I saw the name of this person, and I was like, that person has the right job dealing with this issue. That's the person I want in that position. So maybe I'm racist but take that for what it is. Overnight, we saw similar patterns to what we've seen over the past several days, he told reporters during a midday briefing call on Friday. We continue to encounter high levels of non-citizens at the border, but we did not see a substantial increase overnight or an influx at midnight. So William, is this actually an issue that needed a news story, right? News means new. Or is this just something that is basically saying, Oh, this is what people care about in tribalism right now. So we're going to have an article for clicks because really
2: isn't the news story here that there is no news story that nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. But even then it's hard to unpack the narrative, right? Because we know that there's, you know, spring brings, uh, you know, the numbers change over the seasons, right. Uh, of people trying to illegally cross, and, you well, know, it makes sense, right? Who, who the fuck yeah.
1: wants to traverse on foot in
2: winter? Yeah, yeah, even down there, yeah. Um, it gets fucking cold at night. Um, but I think also, even in this story, there's a refusal to uh, note the status quo, right? And we know that in a lot of cities, there, there are major, major issues that they've been dealing with, right, uh, regarding uh, illegal Im- immigration. And so I think... This is another one where the both sides have their narrative and are avoiding the underlying causes, right? And, you know, the example, <clears throat> you know, that, that last quote about, Hey, it hasn't really changed in the last 24 hours. That, that, that's so zoomed in as to not be relevant to what most people who are concerned about immigration are concerned about. So I think you have a, a, a tribal baiting story, right? Like, oh, this title 42 is going to, uh, going to expire and we're going to, have mountains of people coming and crossing. So that's like, cause false. They made it, but well, you know, yeah, but they you made know it what else seem like
1: false? They made it seem like, before you say the other thing, which I'm sure is very, very smart, they made it seem like the second like 1159 ended, they made it seem yeah. like it was going to be <laughs> zombies pouring over the border.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's false, right? And right. So, But so is the narrative that, well, everything is just kind of cool, you know? It's just yeah. status quo. Nothing's really changed. Uh, no, 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 no. People who live down there know they have long memories. Um, things have changed, and uh, you know figuring out what the right answer is is a whole different question, but like just invalidating the other this is just one tribe baiting their own tribe and the other tribe invalidating their concerns right and saying don't worry about it.
1: yeah and what it's not talking about is the long term issue of immigration, right yeah. where we have all of these people likely very impoverished coming over right there there is a way to do. Open border immigration without simply just letting people in. I mean, this idea that I think people have that open borders is simply there is no border patrol, and just anyone can come in, makes absolutely no sense. Anybody yep. can get into Disney Springs. You, you just have to walk through security. That doesn't mean they're not you're not going through security. They're not scanning you for weapons. They're not stopping to see if you're sick or high or drunk, right, or a danger. I mean open borders doesn't mean that you know you could just come in willy nilly without stopping at all. Doesn't mean there's no process. The idea that we have that it's okay to border jump even with open borders wouldn't make any sense to me. The idea yeah. I would think would you you know, you go there and you file a formal application and they process you and you get let in after a certain amount of point time. Now it does suck because hey, it's governments involved and it requires uh, a certain amount of financial stability in order to do that and health stability but that's the point isn't it we don't i mean yeah give us your poor huddled masses but i don't think that literally meant give us typhoid mary did it
2: (laughs) no no or 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 give us the the viking hordes right yeah let them all and I'm not saying migrants are Viking gourds Viking I'm saying that's why we have a border patrol. That's why we have a border.
1: Okay, I think that sums that up for now. But I think overall the thing to take away about is think locally, think individually, get rid of these collectivist narratives. Which is interesting. Because I think that leads into the uh, the first thing I want to talk about when I talk a little bit about Boy Meets World here in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML.
0: Put me into-
3: I need a rerun to better cast the next series of events in the air timeline laps. My made tv type was written off in the last season when I wasn't
0: focused on.
1: As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Score go to themidside.com and themidside.com. Slash podcast. Click on any episode. And within the episode, there is a link to join the Discord. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you listen in to us recording live. We'd love to hear your comments on the trailers before the episodes. We'd love to hear you drop some farce in there for us to talk about. All right, William, I gave you three drops. These three dro- drops are about Boy Meets World and Pod Meets World. Do you remember a few weeks ago that I brought up that I want to start discussing Boy Meets World on the show because of Pod Meets World? Yep, yeah. So Pod Meets World, to, to recount for everyone, is a show hosted by Ryder Strong, who played Sean on the show, Daniel Fischel, who played Topang on the show, and Will Friedle, who played Eric, Corey's brother, on the show. And they're talking about every episode they're rewatching episodes and talking about it. And my concern is them rewriting what the show is about in the history of the show. Now, I don't know if they're doing it intentionally. I don't know if they're doing it unintentionally, but I think these drops are a perfect example in which we can talk about it. And that's the question I have for you, William. So I'm going right. to preface these drops. And when we listen to them, I want to have you afterwards say what is it they're missing and is it intentional or not that they're missing it? Now the first drop. Okay. The first drop is the question Ryder strong is posing, not only about the specific episode, the specific episode is called wrong side of the tracks and it's Sean sort of dealing with the idea that he's poor and whether that means his life is determined in a certain direction or not. And Ryder Strong is, who played Sean, he's saying that there's an essential thing going on with the show overall, but he's not quite able to identify it or label it. So this is what he has to say about it.
3: It's one thing to have like the Corey-Sean dynamic where Corey's freaking out and Sean says, no, you're Corey, I'm Sean, we're supposed to be friends. Like that's different. This is a character self consciously making decisions and changing their behavior based on their awareness of themselves as a right. certain type of character. And right. It's just right. like a, this strange meta thing that I don't, I, you know, and I felt it happening in this episode. And then, like, the memory came back, like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to be doing this a lot. Like, boy, and I don't know what to One call of the that. things
4: that people love so much about it is because mm-hmm. it, started to make people think of their own lives that exactly. way? Like, right. is this why I feel this way? Because right. I see myself in this person, and right. I see what they're thinking, and th- they're saying, right, just outright. Well, the reason right. I'm doing this is because my family is different. Yeah. I come I'm from this different place. This. I'm supposed yeah. to be this. It's right. my fate and so,
3: anyway. So I mean, that's exactly what Sean says. It's like, right. Right. when he gets to the let me get there now. It's like a it's, weird it's, form of identity politics, right? It's like yeah. a weird sense of awareness about your identity in the world and how other people perceive you. And how you, you
4: play into it. And yeah. how
3: you play into it and then making decisions either falling into that or working against it. and yeah. for right. the, the most choices part, we, you
4: make. Yeah. yeah.
3: it's it's a, I don't know. I don't know what to call it or how to think about it, but it's something we should keep an eye on because it's going to keep happening. It is the yeah. show in a lot of ways. It's yeah. a defining, defining characteristic of our writing.
1: So, William... If you could give me one word that they're searching for, what do you think it is? Individualism, right? As against collectivism, right? D- doesn't it seem like they're searching for that?
2: They are, yeah. They 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 can only identify the concretes in today's society and try to backport that onto uh, the culture of the nineties. But I think that's what they're trying to get at.
1: It seems that way. And it's so, it's so interesting, right? Like, it seems like he's right there when he's saying, you know, it's sort of like, uh, identity
2: politics, but not really. And, you know, or or even, even the part where he says it's meta, but not really, because like, think about in today's culture, you can only understand stuff like that if it's some sort of meta joke, right? Well, especially like, think of like, uh, Deadpool
0: breaking the fourth wall sort of stuff, Right. right?
1: But meta comes from the fact that what humans have that no other animal has is metacognition. So it is definitionally meta that we can reflect on ourselves and who we are. Is that not our defining psychological trait?
2: Yeah, but he's he's incorrectly identifying it as like an artistic meta, right? Talking about art or the genre. And I don't think it was that at all. Right. It it wasn't a commentary on the sitcom genre or the well, I don't know what you would categorize what Boy, Boy Meets World as, but Boy Meets World is a sitcom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a commentary on sitcoms, right? I no. don't think that was their goal.
1: No. Now, I think we can figure out their goal by the following. So when they watch these episodes, Daniel Fischel will summarize every scene. So she'll briefly say what happened in the scene. So what we're going to do is We're going to play her summary and then we're going to play the actual audio from the scene. This is the climactic scene of the episode where Sean has tried to ingratiate himself to the bullies and they want him to destroy the motorcycle of the teacher, Mr. Turner. And Mr. Turner comes down and confronts Sean, who Corey was there to try and stop. Now, William, go ahead and play Danielle Fischel summarizing that scene.
4: Turner, now angry, asks why Sean wants to hang out with Harley and his thugs when he has a good friend like Corey looking out for him. And Sean says, this is where he belongs. Sean says he doesn't know who he is, but Corey says he does. He read, he reads it in his biography. He wrote the entire biography about him. Turner tells Sean deep down he's all right. And Sean keeps asking Turner if he thinks he'll be all right, referring to Mr. Turner. Turner says, if he stays away from this Harley and that Harley, Harley.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> then yes. T-
1: Okay, so William, now I want you to play the actual scene, and afterwards I want you, William, to tell me what is missing from her summary.
0: I mean, what's with you, Hunter? Why do you want to hang out with these lowlifes?
3: Maybe I'm a lowlife too, okay? Is that what you think? That's what everybody else thinks. I want to know what you think. Hey, I'm out here with the bat, aren't I? Yeah! But you didn't swing it. It's just because Corey came along.
0: Oh, you think that was an accident? Huh? That you have a friend who thinks so much of you that he's willing to put his own neck on the line? No, I don't think lowlifes have friends like that, do you?
3: I don't know. They don't. I don't know anything. I don't even know who I am. Well, Sean, I know who you are. You're Sean Hunter. You were raised by wolves.
1: You're my friend. It says so in your biography. I mean, what else do you need to know?
3: I need to know what's going to happen to me, and you can't tell me that. Hey, Hunter,
0: all Matthews can do is be your friend. And so far, he's been doing a real good job. All I can do is teach you whatever I can and hope that you'll leave my class a little better than when
3: you came in. You mean drag the trailer park trash up to decent society?
0: Hey, if you don't know that deep down inside, you're all right, then I haven't taught you anything at all.
3: You think I'm all right?
0: I think you need to think you're all right.
3: You think I'm all right.
0: I think if you put your mind to it and get back inside that school and never, never go near this Harley or that Harley. Yeah, I think you'll be all right.
1: First of all, how good is that? Like just hearing the audio, like television movies don't don't compare to that nowadays. I mean, that that that's a primetime sitcom on a network show on a Friday in the 90s and it still is that level of quality of acting and writing it's tremendous so William what is missing from Danielle Fischel's summary did you pick it up
2: self-esteem and it coming from inside you not uh from validation although he does give the right kind of validation as well I think that's that's another key part
1: well, the the so. validation Mr. Turner gives is that it's in Sean's control, right? Yeah. He says, do you think I'm all right? And he says, well, if you do these things, you'll be all right. It's not, I think you're all right. He doesn't go, yeah, I think you're all right. He goes, do these things and you'll be all right. Right? Go in the classroom. Stay away. Don't destroy people's property. Don't hang out with bad people. Right? He doesn't say, oh, I think you're all right. Right? But yes, you're correct. How? How, William? How do they miss... Right? Because this is Danielle official summary and none of them called her on it. None of them were like, well, you missed this important part. How do they miss Mr. Turner saying, well, what do you think? Do you think you're alright?
2: All that matters is what you think. Yeah. All
1: that matters is what you think. How do they miss that? Is that not the key to the entire scene? If I haven't taught you one thing, it's that you're alright. You get what I'm saying? How do they... it? Yeah. To me, it's very obviously the point of the scene and it's obvious that that's responding to what Ryder Strong is saying.
0: Yeah.
2: It, isn't
1: the answer to Ryder Strong in the episode itself?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the inability to see this is very much a symptom of today's culture. Right? Now, we had the wrong idea of self-esteem being heavily promoted in the 90s and the 2000s, right? So, it to me, I can see why they wouldn't want to label this as self-esteem because it doesn't... The, the scene would be different in the Early 2000s version of self-esteem, right? The teacher would be saying, yes, you're all right. And you're a, a special snowflake and everyone, you know, everyone should feel positively about them, regardless of their choices, right? Um, and that's, that's what they would label, I think, self-esteem, not, not to get too much in their head, but that's the cu- cultural definition of self-esteem today. But this clip is the concretization of self-esteem, right? Like you are faced with choices and how you choose. That's where your moral self-esteem comes from.
1: Right, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says about those choices. What matters most is what you think. He didn't say feel. He said, I yeah. want to know what you, you think. think. Yeah. How powerful that is. that? right? That doesn't happen in school anymore. And I will tell you in my class, kids like my class, the kids who like it, because I ask what they think, and I say it's about what they think. And they're not used to hearing that in school anymore. How powerful is that? for an adult to say to a kid I want to know what you think
0: yeah yeah
1: and it's just it's crazy to me that that the stars of the show miss it and I think that's why it's important for us to have these segments where we talk about these episodes where they're missing the point I mean this is a hugely popular podcast that people who are fans of the show are going back and re-enjoying the show and as adults reflecting on the show and to miss this hugely important point i mean we she omitted it completely from the summary like it wasn't even part of the scene when it's the meat of the scene is that not i mean that's almost crazy isn't it
2: yeah can you imagine if one of the writers is listening to this and they're like you're not getting it I can't imagine you're there. You're there and you're not getting it.
1: Right. <laughs> but I can because they often talk about issues they had with the, the head producer and such. So, but that's another discussion. We will continue this going forward. I hope, I hope, William, you see the value in this and you see why I feel so strongly about talking about this.
2: Yeah. What a gem.
1: Okay. Let's move on to a review of something that just came out Hypnotic is Robert Rodriguez's most recent movie. It stars Ben Affleck. Okay, and I'm going to give my one-sentence review of it. And then, William, I'm again going to ask you another question to see if I'm crazy or not, okay? Because I had an experience with this movie that was very, very interesting. And it was at a certain point that sometimes when I watch movies, like I'm just like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. And I had one of those those moments here. And I think this is sort of undeniable. So I want to see what you think. So here's my summary. Hypnotic never quite achieves Rodriguez's ambition, but delivers a taut, compelling heist story. So this starts out with Ben Affleck as a cop trying to stop a bank heist. But we soon learn there's much more going on. Now, I don't want to spoil this. Uh, I'll spoil it thematically, but I don't want to spoil the, the concretes, the particulars, because I in the barn and Laurie's pregnant. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's worth watching. So I don't want to spoil that. But I do want to talk about sort of the, the theme behind this. So what this is about is there are certain types of people in the world called hypnotics who are able to convince people that they're seeing something different than what reality actually is, and they control them in this way. Uh, I hope you can see where this movie is going based on this, because the movie is Ben Affleck's daughter is missing; she was kidnapped, and he's trying to ultimately serve the solve the murder or solve the murder solve the mystery of where his daughter was kidnapped to. So it's sort of like a double heist movie in a way. It's like a bank heist movie, but then you figure out what the bank heist movie has to do with the daughter's kidnapping and where the daughter is and who kidnapped her and all of these things. And that's what I don't want to reveal. I don't want to reveal ultimately with that, but what I want to reveal is the character's name. So William, Ben Affleck's name in this movie is Rourke. Now it's spelled R O U R K E. So, Actually, at one point in the movie, my my wife leaned over to me and she said, Rourke like an Atlas Shrugged. Now, obviously, she's never read the books. And I was like, no, because it's the Fountainhead. Right. But when you hear that it's spelled R-O-U-R-K-E, right, you assume it's not a Fountainhead reference, correct? Right. Okay. Here's the part that got me. And I want to know, man, because how often do you hear the name Rourke regardless
2: yeah, not very often. It's not a right. common name.
1: And if you do, you hear O'Rourke, right? Like the the Irish name, because that's the Irish spelling of it. R-O-U-R-K-E. Right? So it's not very common. But this is the part that got me. You find out the daughter's full name. Okay? Are you ready for what the daughter's full name is? Sure. Oh, actually, I'm going to have you guess. Okay? Her last name is Rourke. Can you guess what her first name was?
2: Dominique this has to be intentional
1: it has to be intentional yes
2: yeah absolutely
1: okay because the end of the movie right there's a line where Affleck's like we're finally free and we can decide our lives for ourselves for the first time yes yeah Especially okay. because the people they end up fighting are a group of people who are all wearing the same red suit jacket coats. Look, this movie doesn't have a high budget, but it seems to me this movie is very much about individualism versus collectivism. Okay. Am I, am I imagining this, Dominique Rourke? Like, I pulled my hood over my head and I was like, there's no way that just fucking happened. Like, I literally yeah. said that to myself in the movie. <laughs>
2: Did you explain it to your wife? <laughs> yeah, I did after the movie. They're yeah. like, why did you freak out in the middle of the movie? <laughs> I mean, I,
1: I and because I explained the end, too, in that line by Affleck and everything, right? So oh, I spoiled that he yeah. li- he lives. I'm sorry. but um, So, okay, so you definitely agree that it's a reference then? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, so that's what I would say about this. Look, this isn't the best movie ever. As I said, it's low budget, and I think... When I say it doesn't always achieve the ambitions, uh, I think that it struggles because it's such a high-level concept. I mean, it's a very Nolan-esque concept with this idea of the mind and tricking the mind. And, you know, it's very similar to Inception. Uh, but I do think ultimately when you get to the end, there is a, a good level of catharsis there. And I do think that it, uh, you know, it, it it's enjoyable at the end and it achieves what it's trying to. It just doesn't always, I think reach what it's trying to on the way there. It, you know, the main issue I have is the trope of a hype, a heist film. You know, how have you seen the Rick and Morty episode on heists? Yeah. Yeah. Where they always explain what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Well, obviously the reason I call this a heist film is that happens a few times throughout the movie. Ah, So it it gets a little overly explaining, but again, that's sort of the trappings of the genre. So I think this is worthwhile I would give this a bromantic rating. So it's, you know, it's not like the best movie of the year. I mean, it's going to be really hard to beat Guardians of the Galaxy, I think. But I do have this so far in my top five. So far, my top five are from five to one Hypnotic, John Wick, Chapter Four, Super Mario Brothers, Renfield, and Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: Well, we've got another contender coming, right, with Oppenheimer. Hopefully, you'll get to see it in the 70 millimeter. IMAX, which is going to be about available, thirty-five mm seventy mm IMAX, both uh, film uh, and digital. When does that come out? So, I don't remember, but I I remember I, I saw Nolan uh um announce that.
1: So. I've already seen controversies about that movie, about like what's the point? Nolan's trying to make is this another movie where it's about using the 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 technology as a metaphor for making movies, which he does a lot, right? I've talked about. How yeah. in the prestige the whole thing is a metaphor about movies, Inception's a metaphor about movies, right? There's that. Uh, I've heard people say maybe it's an alternate history movie, so there's a lot of controversy about that already. So showing, you know, well, that,
2: we know it'll be a visual spectacle.
1: Yes, and you know these these directors, Robert Rodriguez, Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder, they're all sort of in the same sort of approach to filmmaking, so that'll be worthwhile. Why don't we, though, William, talk about other movies that are going to come out? You want to do some Trailer Takedown? Let's do it. All right, those trailers are posted in the Discord on Saturdays. That's right before we record. That's so you can watch them whenever you want, before an episode, after an episode, or maybe you alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it.
0: Trailer Takedown. First
1: trailer. The Crowded Room is an Apple TV miniseries or series starring Tom Holland and Amanda, Amanda Siegfried from mean girls. Uh, and honestly, I have no fucking clue what is happening in this trailer. Okay. I know that Apple TV, I think they have a pretty good track record. William. I think most yeah. of their shows are pretty good. They always get good performances out of casts, but this, this show seemed to have the Apple TV formula, but with bad execution. And what I mean by this is, it seems like some tragedy befell Tom Holland's character, but there's accusations of whether he was involved in it or not. And then this involves a lot of like Amanda Siegfried in a room confronting Tom Holland about, are you in on it or not? So there's parallels to Blackbird in there. There's also the idea of they have a couple of good, big-name actors, and they put them in roles that are typically more dramatic, or are more dramatic than they typically get. It's just... I don't know if it's the trailer or if it's the casting. I don't know. Amanda Siegfried just doesn't seem very convincing as like a government agent interrogating Tom Holland and Tom Holland just I don't I don't I don't I don't particularly like him as Spider-Man as is and he just doesn't seem very convincing here. So as much as I want to like something like this, this has to be a tackle.
0: Tackle.
2: Yeah, I think that if there's one thing <clears throat> that you can count on is uh, – well, I guess it's really two things. But good acting and good production value out of any of these Apple shows. And you can see that in the trailer. Um, but, yeah, it, this doesn't look interesting to me. And is that a failure? I think that's – I'm hoping that's just more of a, a failure of the trailer itself. Maybe there'll be another uh, trailer coming out. But, yeah, it's – I think this – you. Couldn't you get the, get the feeling, uh, Justin, that, oh, look, Tom Holland's in this. I should watch it. That, that, that was the only sort of thing I think they were going for. And to be I'm fair,
1: I think that is very marketable to a younger demographic.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I felt like, oh, Tom Holland's in this. I'm going to watch it. That, that's all I got out of it. But I, I, as, as cute as he is, I'm not going to watch it without, uh, without some reason. To. So I'm going to tack. tackle. Tackle. Second
0: trailer.
1: God is a Bullet is another movie where I have no idea really what the fuck is going on in it. It looks like, like a police detective or somebody's daughter is kidnapped by white nationalist neo-Nazi supremacists and then he has to infiltrate the cult, I think. But I think that's the most generous reading of this trailer I could possibly give. Honestly, this trailer seems like the last trailer, but
2: worse. Tackle.
0: Tackle
2: yeah uh jamie from uh, uh of uh, from uh, Game of Thrones is in this, so watch it that was what this trailer was uh also this trailer i it felt like to me taken but a young guy you know more action taken but a, a more more aggressive action I don't know doesn't look very interesting I'll just watch taken tackle tackle.
0: Third trailer. Padre Pio
1: saw, stars Shia LaBeouf in Italy as a priest, I guess. And I, I had to look up when this takes place in World War One times. Now there was one specific post World
2: War One post, right after World
1: War, right, 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 right after. I would still consider that World War One times because of the the short amount of time between World War One and World War Two. I, I kind of consider everything world war 1 and right after to be all world war 1 times because what happened after world war 1 was the effects of it which led into world war 2 if that does yeah. my logic make sense there yeah yeah so i call all of that world war 1 and that's a sort of question here is like look shy is a good actor i like i like shy i know that may be controversial to say although <laughs> i do think you could have a really funny meme off of this where he's like what was the, what's the word? What's the word he uses when he's like screaming about Jesus? Oh, I don't remember. Where he's like, take Jesus's name or something. Take the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ. name. it was like vintage say Shia. That, say
2: Jesus is Lord. Yeah, say Jesus is yeah. Lord. Yeah, that.
1: say Jesus is Lord. Like that's like vintage Shia. Now it's amazingly acted. He will it, not divide us. <laughs> right, but it's sort of like Nick Cage, where he nobody else would deliver it in that way, so it comes across as ridiculous, even though it's greatly acted. And I think it's the same thing with Shia here. So I don't. Like, I don't knock Shia's performance here. I also don't knock the, the cinematography here. I think the the use of the the yellow from the flame contrasted with the black for the coloring of most of this movie creates a very interesting mood and tone, which I think is very intentional and executed well. My concern here is... The thematic content. And there's twofold. One, obviously, the idea that religion is the answer, right? Because Shia LaBeouf's character is grappling with his fate. But also, there's one line in here where somebody says that private property is the greatest... It's basically the greatest issue in the history of the world. Do you remember the exact line? I don't remember
2: the exact line, but it's also not clear who's saying that, right? Right.
1: Now, that's why this could go either way, right? Because this is a World War I movie leading into World War II, which we then know that
2: Italy Mussolini took over, Yeah, he deleted private property.
1: Right. So this could be showing the tragedy that befalls Italy through the perspective of Padre Pio, Shia LaBeouf's character, in which case this could be an excellent movie. However, it could be ironically supporting that because of the culture we live in nowadays. So this is tough and could go either either way with that. But I generally don't like religious movies in general because, I mean, I still haven't seen the Mark Wahlberg priest movie, even though I love Mark Wahlberg. So as much as I love Shia, I'm still going to have to tackle this.
0: Ugh, tackle. So...
2: Shy has gone all Christian and it's, uh, and it's not surprising that this is the next project that he picked up. He's very intentional about what projects he chooses I Remember when he was going through his post transformer days, uh, trying to prove himself as an artist. Um, but I agree with you when he does act, uh, bother to, uh, act, uh, he does a really good job. So it's, I'm kind of torn on this as well. Um, I don't have as much of a positive uh, view of Chai, although he's done a lot of improving in some ways. Um,
1: I still love even Stevens. I, I loved that show. It's that's part of the yeah.
2: problem. Yeah, I I, and I I I have I have respect for that. Um, so I guess I'm more with you on this. Like, if this is going to focus on the faith aspect, there's not a lot of meat there for me, right? Um, but, and, and that's what I, based on, on his character and how he chooses art, I have to assume, and I know that's not in the, in the trailer itself, but I, I can't take, I think shy is one of those people where you cannot take the artist out of the art. He, he really takes this. Justin, if years later we find, found out that he went to this Christian phase as part of his method acting, would it surprise you? No. So I, I don't think it's I think it's completely fair to. It doesn't surprise me as
1: it. is because I assume he went through AA or NA and that's yeah. part of the twelve steps. So
2: yeah. So uh, as as uh, this this could have some possibility, but I, I I just don't want to engage with it. I'd rather I'd rather not. So bye.
0: tackle
2: final trailer.
1: Flaming hot is a. Comedy movie directed by Eva Longoria about the supposed story of how Flaming Hot uh, Doritos came about. I believe it's Doritos, yes, or Cheetos. What is it?
2: I thought it. I thought it was
1: Cheetos. Cheetos. Okay, I apologize because the 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 cool ranch joke that's in there. And okay, here's the thing. Here's the major problem I have with this, William, and. I don't know how to quite formulate it. So I'm kind of hoping that you can help me here. This movie feels racist. Okay. And it feels racist against white people. And, and what I mean by that is the scene where they make fun of who eats cool ranch Doritos. When I grew up, like, I, I want to be clear. I do not like Doritos. I The only thing I eat by Frito-Lay is Fritos. Okay. I've never liked Doritos in my life. But when you were growing up, didn't everybody want the cool ranch Doritos? They didn't want the normal flavor,
2: yeah, absolutely. Cool ranch was the all everyone that that's you party essential, right right,
1: so when they have the character who makes it seem like nobody actually eats it, and it's like the weird white woman who eats cool ranch like that was a warning sign to me, and then they had the scene where. The character is trying to figure out how to stop Frito-Lay from shutting down, which I don't even know the veracity of that. And he's at a party with other Hispanic people. It's unclear whether it's Mexican people or not, although they're eating a lot of Mexican food. So, uh, you know, I assume that they're Mexican, although I don't really have evidence for that. And he looks around and everybody is putting hot sauce on their food and, you know, Hot, uh, I want to say pepper. What is it when you shake like pepper flakes onto things, right? Yeah. On their food. And then like his kid. And I want to be clear, this kid actor is great, right? They have him here and they have him in the tag. He was the best part of the trailer when he was like, it hurts, but it hurts so good. Like his delivery. Holy crap. That kid, like 50 years ago, that kid would have been a star based on what catchphrase. And he would have been like the new Shirley Temple or he's tremendous in the trailer. But this whole look, I have always hated this, William. the 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 idea that food is better, and Mexican food is better, and Hispanic food is better because they put all these spices on it and they make it take taste hot and spicy. And this idea that quote unquote white people food isn't good because it's not spicy. And this trailer seems to revel in that. And then I read the comments, and the first comment is apparently this story might not even be true. It's a myth. And people involved with it have disputed the story of all of this. So I don't know. This whole thing, you know, it it just feels like every group has to push their culture. And this feels like Hispanics pushing their culture and this idea that, oh, it's superior. And I don't know. People make fun of me. They say, oh, you don't put spice on your food. Yeah, I like the way steak tastes. I like the way chicken tastes. Why do I need to put other spices on it, especially fight, uh, hot stuff, hot stuff. And I also don't understand the concept of, Oh, I want to eat food that hurts physically. Like I've had curry before Indian curry. And I, I'm literally, I literally mean it hurts on the way in and hurts on the way out. So why would I eat it? <laughs> and I mean that legitimately, it hurt both ways. Why would I eat it again? So I don't know. I, there's just a lot I don't understand. And this feels racist to me.
2: Tackle. Tackle. So if you don't like spicy foods, then you won't like this movie. Got it. Uh, I'm just joking. Um, you know, I I didn't, didn't get as strong of a sense of view of that. I sort of just maybe was more charitable and was like, oh, it's just a joke that didn't land for me. But if this is presented as a uh, Netflix Cleopatra style revisionist history, then yeah, absolutely I would want to see this. But I giggled a couple times, and that's, but I have a low bar, uh, well, or high bar, depending on your perspective, for comedy. So if I giggle at the preview, then it, it might be funny. I might enjoy it. So I would reluctantly give this one a Netflix and hug. But I think, Justin, you triggered the, the rule, didn't you?
1: I did. But before, before I talk about that, I have to ask the scene where they showed like three different foods having the, the hot sauce and everything sprinkled on it. You didn't look at that and be like that's excessive?
2: No, no, I I guess I looked at it as like, oh, this is something different that maybe they didn't consider. I like I said, I was reading it more charitably. But I can definitely see that that perspective that you're that you're pointing out. And if the movie goes that way, then it's not going to be something I'm going to enjoy, right? If instead it's like hey, cuz you know, a lot of a lot this is I know this sounds completely fantastic and fantasy to even consider that this could be made in today's culture. But think of how all different foods become Americanized, right? And I would definitely say that Flaming Hot Cheetos is an Americanized, you know, uh, uh, spicy food. Now, I don't know whether I would call it Hispanic, but like it's certainly a, a taking, you know, taking an interesting or unique aspect of a different culture and putting it on American food.
1: Certainly. And actually, that's part of what the comments were saying, was they were saying it actually doesn't come from Hispanic culture, comes from Caribbean, African-American culture. That was what some of the comments were arguing about. So whoever it comes from, that makes sense. But I just, you know, I have an issue with whether it's an alternative or whether it's shown as superior, and I think yeah. in our current culture, it's not shown as an alternative. Hey, have all, look, I don't have a problem. Have all these different flavors of all these different foods. Like, I, you know, I don't need like Oreo flavored potato chips, but maybe some people do. Hey, if, if that's what you want, yeah. right? Because they have this like birthday cake, everything, right? It, it, don't get me wrong. I eat some of the birthday cakes, but some of it, I'm like, I don't need this, Right. Uh, so do whatever you want, as long as it's seen as an alternative. But I don't think we're to the point anymore that we see it as an alternative, right? Think of how British culture is made fun of for their food because they don't have all of this stuff in it.
2: Yeah, well, and their curry is so mild. As someone who does like spicy foods, their curry is so mild. You have to go to you have to go to special curry shops to actually get uh, curry that's. Uh, but
1: do you only spicy eat spicy? Because here's the thing, and here's maybe the final question. Do you only eat spicy food or you just enjoy spicy food as well as non-spicy food?
2: Yeah, both. Of
1: course. But it seems like a lot of people who enjoy spicy food will only eat food whether it's spicy. Oh, yeah. Well, that's
2: the Mexican uh, wife or girlfriend with a, a bottle of uh, hot sauce in their purse.
1: Right. And that's exactly what I'm talking about is the make it seem like it's superior rather than just an alternative. Okay, so which am I going to watch here? I really think it comes down to a choice between Tom Holland and Shia LaBeouf. I really do. Uh Oh, that's hard. It is hard. But here's the thing. Padre Pio is a movie. The cinematography looks great. It wasn't confusing. And there's the possibility that there's an interesting discussion here of post-World War I, pre-World War II Italy and how things turned out the way they did through the eyes of... The Roman Catholic Church, which you can't deny the importance of the Roman Catholic Church in the history of Italy. So because of that and because it's Shia, if I forced to choose, I would have to take Padre Pio also because it's one movie. Right. I wouldn't have to watch several episodes, although you could argue I could watch one episode of The Crowded Room and give up on it. But that seems like a cop out. Alright, William, that brings us to the end of this episode. Let's get you to kickball. What did we learn?
2: I learned that you would pick Shia LaBeouf over Tom Holland in bed. Justin, what did you learn this week?
1: In bed? I was gonna say as Spider-Man. <laughs> could we have Shia LaBeouf as Spider-Man? Like can oh, we can do in, can we do into the Spider-Verse the live action version and have Tom Holland meet Shia LaBeouf Spider-Man? Can we do that?
2: <laughs> Maybe.
1: Uh I I sort of learned the unidentifiable or the non obvious effects of internalized collectivism with all of these stories. And then with our discussion of the boy meets world episode of pod meets world, where even when it's right in front of your face and you're an educated person, I mean, not only are they successful people, but but Ryder strong, at least went back to university and got a degree. So, they're intelligent, educated, successful people, and either the, even they can't see the project they themselves worked on. I think that's a stark statement on the way collectivism influences people. All right, that brings us to the end of the episode. I want to thank you all for listening. If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking into my closet like a crazy person. Still is that, but you make me feel a little bit less crazy. You can support my mental health care by going to the midside.com slash store, midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. That is how we keep the lights on or the midside.com slash the cut. Then I don't even have to pay for the podcast if you if you buy my book. That goes directly to me. And of course, the best way to grow the show is to tell a friend, especially a female friend, because they like to gossip a lot more than we do. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesniewski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce.
2: Have a self-esteem day. Justin, you gotta wonder. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, young people, like watching old episodes of Friends and going through Seinfeld and things like that. Do you think that uh, they'll discover Boy Meets World? Do you think it'll have a positive effect if they do? Uh,
1: there's actually a freshman in my f- second period class who just finished rewatching all of Boy Meets World, and she's going to now do a rewatch of Girl Meets World, and. She loves the show and she's a smart kid. So I believe it's having a positive effect. And now based on our discussion today, I'm going to go back and talk
0: to her about that scene and see what she sees in it. Yeah.